battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the show. Uh, in just a few minutes, I'll start my interview with this week's guest, Alex Wilkins from the UK. Uh, but first, I, I just want to uh, read a statement that was posted on Facebook just yesterday by Fakir Musafar. Uh, Dear followers, fans, students, and loving friends, the time has come for me to inform you that Fakir's shelf life is running out. I have been fighting stage 4 lung cancer since last October, and I am near my expiration date. I'm grateful and honored beyond words to have known you all, all of you who have been touched by my presence and followed my example, and the dizzying fun, enlightening, and delightful experience of seeing so many embrace body piercing and body rituals. I never expected our passions and practices to grow to a global phenomenon, that my early visions of modern primitives would expand beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you for embracing, growing, and embodying our art, craft, and energetic ritual practices. They have changed the cultural landscape worldwide. May they serve you well in the future. It goes on to uh, thank a lot of the students and the instructors from the Fakir Intensives. Uh, this is right on Facebook. It's a public post. So if you haven't uh, if you haven't already read it, take a minute to shut off this podcast. Uh, go there, read the the full message, and uh, you know maybe leave a few kind words for Fakir. It seems that people kind of, uh, you know, love him or hate him sort of thing with uh, with his style, but uh, I, no one's going to ever be able to deny the impact that he made on this industry. So, uh, you know, go ahead and, and read that post. Uh, towards the end, it says, Now I have a request. I realize that many of you may wish to reach out to me, but I'll be unable to manage the deluge of emails and phone calls in my final days, which I wish to spend in quiet solitude with my wife, Cleo. However, I would very much appreciate a handwritten note from you by postal mail, My address is Fakir Musafar, P.O. Box 2345, Menlo Park, California, 94026. So, uh, you know, if if you're like me and and you've been affected by body piercing, um, you know, you remember Fakir kindly, uh, some sort of impact that uh, Fakir made on on your life or your career, uh, you know, take a minute, you know, write out a note. Put a stamp on it, stick it in the mail. Uh, it'll mean a lot to Fakir, to Cleo, to uh, all of the students and, and all the instructors from the Fakir Intensive. So uh, you're in our thoughts and uh, safe journey, Fakir. So if, like myself, you could uh, use a smile or a laugh in a somber moment, uh, you might like this uh, this interview coming up. Alex Wilkins is my buddy from the UK. He pierces at Guru Body Piercing in Brighton in the very, very south of England. Uh, we talk about a, a lot of stuff. Basically, we, we kind of start talking about uh, growing your, your jewelry market 
you know, growing your inventory, but also growing the people who uh, come into your studio to look at that inventory. Alex has a, a great story about the growth of Guru Body Piercing, uh, how they're in sort of a, a, a touristy town, or not sort of, they're in an extremely touristy town, and they grew the studio from external only, very small selection of jewelry, and, and now they've really been adding in a lot of high quality uh, stuff, you know, from a lot of great vendors, uh, a lot of great materials, you know, internal thread titanium and, and gold and lots of fancy options and lots of company names that you'll recognize. Former guest on the show, Charlie LeBeau, gets a lot of the credit for that work too. Charlie was uh, really instrumental in, in growing Guru Body Piercing. She's moved on to uh, working at the Maria Tash in uh, Liberty, London. And that, that's a huge jump up for Charlie. So, you know, congrats on that uh, fairly new uh, position there. So we'll uh, talk a little bit more with Alex. We talk about constructive criticism, those uh, dreaded online forums come up again. You know, we talk about how to make a positive impact on your uh, community and your industry and uh, you know how we're all kind of in this together really when you think about it. So let's get into this week's interview with Alex Wilkins. Uh, so my name is Alex Wilkins. Um, I'm a body piercer and shop manager at Guru Body Piercing in Brighton in England. Uh, you can catch me on Instagram at awbodypiercing um, and my shop is at Guru Body Piercing. Cool. So one question that actually popped up to me whilst I was showering today, uh, if people Good. refer to where you are, uh, is it is it more proper to say England or say the UK? Um. I think everyone would kind of be either or on that, yeah. So Eng England is fine. Everyone's. I don't think anyone would really differentiate unless you're talking about specifically Scotland or Wales or Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. But so anyone in England would be like, oh yeah, sure. I live in England. I live in the UK. That's right. fine. Right. Yeah. See, sometimes I, I don't know. I guess it's the same way. Like if you say the states or the U.S. or mm. you know New England or or whatever you would refer it to. But yeah, I don't know. I just don't want to sound like a doofus. <laughs> no, it's cool. So uh, you're in Brighton, which is in like the the bottom of England, basically. It, it's the very bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right down on the coast. I've been there before. It's really neat. It's got those like pebble beaches, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. See, if you, I think if you live on a pebble beach, you want that sweet sandy beach. But if you live on a sandy beach, you think that pebble beaches are cool, but they're not because they're yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah up in your grill. It's not. It's it's just really not what anybody actually wants in life. Yeah, it's nice to look at, but I remember I went there and you were like, "Oh, you have to see like the pier area." I went down there and I got like the donuts and everything. And oh yeah. Then I was like, "Oh, I'll just go. I'll sit down on the beach and watch the ocean for a little while." And it's just like, "Okay, I'll go sit on a pile of rocks." And yeah, yeah. <laughs> eat a donut while like dogs and seagulls try to steal my food. Yeah, exactly. It's it's one of those seaside towns where you can pretty much accomplish all of your tourist goals in about ten minutes. Um, like really, like somewhere like uh, Blackpool, which mm, see, I've opened my up to geography now, and I'm piss poor at it. Which <laughs> uh, I think is in Wales. That's a way better. That's how you do a fucking seaside town. Uh, Brighton is awesome, but it's like yeah, you can do everything it's got to offer pretty much in ten minutes in, in terms of looking at stuff. So I but, remember yeah. that had probably the the most depressing quote-unquote roller coaster that I've ever had <laughs> in my life. It was like that little two-story, like haunted house kind of thing. And oh, it was one of those yeah. ones, it was from like a like a, like a a bad episode of The Simpsons where you'd like go around a corner and there'd be like some like half-fallen-apart rubber ghost that would pop out and just be like, oh. <laughs> and then like 10 seconds later it was done and you were back out. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of like been the same kind of setup since probably the 80s, really. I think the only thing that's changed is the, the name of it. But um, yeah, it's the most kind of like dime store version of a of a pier or like a roller coaster you could ever imagine. But that's that that's part of the tacky cheese appeal factor to it. Like it's just a fun little day out. It's something that you could like, you know, you take your nan to it, you know, it's just like, oh, yes, I remember this pier. Mm, like that kind of thing. <laughs> I think there's parts of that in the States, too, you know, like in uh, like the Jersey Shore area or like Coney Island and stuff like that. It's basically just like. You got to see it once, but you really only need to see it once. Yeah, yeah. And, and probably way more appealing when you don't live there. Yeah. You know, like the kind of thing where you could like, you could comfortably bring your friends down for the day and be like, and they could be very amused for the entire day uh, doing the same thing that you walk past about a hundred uh, times a week, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that sums it up fairly accurately, actually. <laughs> so uh, how long have you lived in that area? Uh, all my life, man. Um, I grew up I was born and I grew up in Southwick which is a wee town just um just about 20 minutes down on the train from Brighton still on the seaside again on another very pebbly beach um and I've always lived in and around this this general postcode really uh zip code sorry um (laughs) I get what postcode (laughs) means yeah 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 but um yeah, yeah, it's an it's an awesome town. It's it's mad expensive to actually live here. So any anyone in the UK who lives any further north than me, unless they live in London, will know that like it's notoriously expensive down here for what you actually get. Like you can pretty much get like a three bedroom mansion probably in most parts of America or most other parts in England for the same price where you can get like a box like studio apartment where I live so so you're looking at like New York City rent prices basically yeah yeah I would imagine that would kind of be the equivalent yeah 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 so it's it's it, again but it's like you it's it's such a lovely place to live because it is the seaside tourist town mm-hmm. um that you kind of don't mind like um all you know so all my friends and my, most of my family live down here as well so it's like I really don't if I did go somewhere else, uh, it would specifically be, I guess, for work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there wouldn't be much bringing me to many other parts of the country. Uh, like, yeah, I could afford a bigger house, but, you know, if you're just living on your Larry, on your own, sorry, uh, in this massive-ass house, you know, what's the point? <laughs> well, so what, what's it like piercing in a, in a town like that? You know, is it mostly tourists, or, or are you piercing, like, locals too? So... So my studio is is smack bang in the kind of tourist center of the of the town. Yeah, all There's those different little, like rows of shops. Yeah, yeah, these these little cobbled streets that are called the North Lanes. Um, and I think there's about seven tattoo and piercing studios on that, and it's like two streets. Mm-hmm. It's like two or three streets. It's crazy. Um, so we get like a really good mix of tourist footfall and uh regular clients who come back and we get a lot of people that come like it's because it's like a holiday destination for a lot of people we'll get people that may, I, I i pretty much see them right like once every year at least and they'll always come back and um, i did a bit of moving around studios in the past couple of years and they've always managed to track me down and be like oh hey you pierced my nose like last year and i'm here and i brought my mom and she's getting a piercing and it's just like it's a really cool, like, easy thing to be able to do. So yeah, I love nice. that part. That of it. sounds really cool. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So uh, you said you were in another studio in the area. So like without like like poo pooing on like another shop, like what was it that mm. kind of moved you to where you are now? And and how long had you been? How long had you, had you already been piercing when you moved over to Guru? Um. So I think I must have been piercing uh, about four years, maybe. That sounds about that sounds about correct. Um, and it what it was is the 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 woman who trained me uh, is is a fantastic piercer. She's great. Um, but the it was a externally threaded only studio, and as a kind of young young up and coming you know piercer wanting to I, I was trying to absorb as much information as I possibly could and it was actually um who was it that I saw who was I, I I knew that high end kind of existed but I hadn't had any kind of personal contact and also in you got to understand the UK it is still quite an emerging thing in a right. lot of towns yeah um and I had seen I can't remember his name i think it's like ashton butcher or it's obviously not his name was not ashton butcher i would assume but that's like his instagram handle or whatever mm -hmm. and i saw the stuff that he was churning out i think he was using maybe neo metal and maybe an atom metal i couldn't it's a little while ago um and i saw his shit and i was just like god like th that's what i want to be doing and there's a couple of other like uh you know the pangea piercing guys yep like seen their stuff and just been like oh man like I really want to get into this and, and, and do things this way because I guess when I got into piercing, I got into it on the back of the BME kind of um, situation. Yeah. And so it was more about the physical act of the piercing rather than whatever was going into it. Like the jewelry was like the least important part of it to me. Okay. And as I started piercing and progressing that way, the jewelry became like the front and center piece of like, cool, just basing the whole thing around that. Hmm. Um, so that was why I, I, I moved to to guru eventually was because they were uh, th there was one other studio that I'd I was also working at that were kind of starting to use internally threaded jewelry but um Charlie Lebeau was the the manager at the time of guru and I'd had a couple of chats of her and we were just like bang on the same wavelength about where we wanted to do what we wanted to do with the industry in our town and how we wanted it to go forward and yeah loved working love working with Charlie so uh, yeah, that, that's why I started working there. It's just just to use the jewelry. And at the time, it wasn't even like ground. It wasn't like they were like we were stocking like BVLA or anything. It was just like quality eye. And I don't know if you have that. Do you have that in the states? Quality eye. We don't. Well, I mean, I, I'm sure there are a few piercers who are using it, but it's not a widely known mm -hmm. name. Uh, we have we have comparable brands in the U.S. where it's kind of oh. like I would refer to it as is sort of like a stepping stone kind of brand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So they they just had. I remember they had this little, wee little plinth of um, quality eye, which was no bigger than a, a business card, really. And they were like, "Look at this cool shit we've got." And we were like, "Oh fuck yeah!" Um, and and that was it. And then it, but it was just like, we want to have anatomical, and we want to do this, and we want to do that. And I was so on board for all of that. And you know, you look at our studio now, and we've got like we stock. Leroy, we stock Anatometal, BVLA, um, and that's only two, uh, like two years worth of kind of evolution going from a tiny business card size display of, um, you know, your kind of stepping stone jewelry going into internally threaded and all that. And now we're fully internal and um, lots of gold, 
yeah growing more and more all the time so it's really cool how do you feel like your your client base has has shifted in the way that your jewelry has shifted do you feel like it's the the same clients and they're just kind of adapting to the the new jewelry you offer or do you feel like it it brings in a different kind of clientele uh both much more dealing with the the newer clientele um, I think all the shops I worked in in Brighton before the piercing scene didn't really go much further than kind of it was it's pretty it was pretty much an exclusively externally threaded town so ev- but no one ever questioned it really mm-hmm. I dealt I had a few people that was like y- you know when you get the the kind of trashy like mo- I guess you would call it mall jewelry right. whereas like it it all falls apart within a couple of weeks and it's people would always like, I want this, but I want it to last forever. Like, how can I do that? And we would always be like, oh, well, you can't, you know, this is what there is. Um, so we, but now we get a lot more of those same people coming back. And it tends to be like, I think my shop, we get a, a really nice mix of people, but we get a lot of kind of like, like mums is mm-hmm. what I would kind of generally, I always just say like, you know, love the mums, bring the mums to me all the time. Like that kind of like t- 28, to maybe 50 mm-hmm. is kind of like my um like the core demographic i guess that we have yeah that makes sense and yeah yeah so we've got a, a lot of them coming in and they some of them will know the brands that we stock and be like oh we came here because you have this or you know i tell you what a lot of it a lot of our trade uh comes from people who have been to like the um, maria tash mm-hmm. and been like I love this jewelry, but it's it's crazy, you know, money wise and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you guys have this, and it doesn't seem quite as cr- crazy, but still like amazing quality and all this kind of stuff. So, well, that, that's that, like a really interesting dynamic to bring up. So, for mm. for some of the people listening, uh, Maria Tash is uh, a, you know a well known body piercer who became a, a very well known jeweler. Uh, offered a lot of um, really fancy gold jewelry, gemstones, things like that. Had some some studios in the U.S. and then uh, recently, how how long ago would you say that they opened in Liberty, London? Was it like a year ago or maybe a little bit more? I think a little bit more. I think maybe two. Okay. Uh, potentially free. Don't don't really. Qu- I yeah, wouldn't quote me on that. But, but I believe recently. that will. <laughs> so so for 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 people who haven't seen the jewelry, you know, think uh, similar to Body Vision and, and Body Gems and like mm-hmm. those those high end gold manufacturers. And you know when when they moved into Liberty London, I mean that's that's no small thing. Like that's a, a big deal shopping center area. It's like really. Like the fancy people that have a lot of money to throw around, that's where they shop. Shopping, yeah. Yeah, and and you know, just probably putting out jewelry like that in in a market that really hasn't seen very much of it must have been pretty stark, you know. Especially with they have like a pretty good social media presence too. So um, it's interesting that you'd feel that impact as far away from London as you are that that people would start to seek it out because that does make sense if people can't afford some mm. like really crazy gold thing that costs you know a thousand dollars thousand pounds whatever um but they can get some like really cool bvla thing anata metal thing that's maybe a little bit more affordable uh mm. you know it, it's almost cool how like brands can do a lot of the work for you you know like i'm sure you guys are working really hard to to expand the knowledge of the brands in your area but mm-hmm. just the fact that clients come in they already have some recognition for those brands must make it a, a, a little bit easier for you to to kind of move things yeah, yeah. Oh, it's it's definitely because there's I think there's such a growing market of um, casual piercing fans, I guess. Mm-hmm. 
um, which are just so much more about the jewelry. Again, say, same with me, you know, it, it's, it's less about the physical act of having a piercing and it's just like, I want more jewelry. I want more bling, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, there's, yeah, so we, we have a, a, a lot, a lot of people, uh, and even customers that have been to Maria Tash, but I think that there was a few people kind of like who were doing it before, but in terms of having piercing and, and specifically piercing jewelry and body jewelry, pulling it on the map as something that can be a high end kind of uh, luxury accessory in the UK, I think they've done a, like a lot to kind of bust the door open with it. And, um, you know, there'll, there'll be a lot of other shops that are now finding it so much more easier to justify selling these things to their clients because, you know, like you say, this brand has kind of done the work for people and they put the put the image in people's heads of what you could have with body piercing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, it's it's I would imagine it's helped a lot of other piercing studios as well. Um, just to, yeah, like you say, give um, give more um more substance and more i'm not trying to think of a word like yeah credibility almost that exactly yeah 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 well i mean you got to think of it with other things too like how hard would it be to sell a pair of shoes that didn't say nike you know like the fact that it's nike does a lot of the work for them you know so it's Mm -hmm. the same thing with with body jewelry it's it's cool to see that and it's cool to see brands that that are aware of that you know like it's a symbiotic relationship like the jewelry can't literally sell itself the jewelry can't install right. itself you know you 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 need skilled workers who can who can talk about it and sell it and pierce with it and install it and change it and all those things so it's it's cool to see relationships like that exist um i, I don't know sometimes it, it and like what you say too about how it's more about the jewelry than the act of piercing like that's a really interesting perspective that i you know i guess i was always aware of it but i never really thought of it in explicit terms like that because mm. it, it really is like a huge uh, I guess, cultural shift within the culture of body piercing, where in the 90s, it was like, I want to have the biggest, craziest, most extreme oh, yeah. piercing. I want to be the first one to do this new thing so I can name it and this and that. And now it's just people who, they focus on the jewelry and then they focus on a place that that jewelry can go, you know, and it's less about like pain or extreme or showing off or something like that. If they're showing off anything, they're showing off the, the jewelry and not the piercing. So that's a, a really good way to look at it. Yeah, I, I found it to be quite a fascinating um, kind of metamorphosis of the industry. Um, and again, having lived it and seeing uh, and seeing how it's reflected in, in the people that are now using our services, you know, um, you know, I, my, I think my my personal philosophy on piercings used to be like, I want a few piercings and I want them big as fuck, you know, like, <laughs> Uh, had a massive stretch septum. I think it was at like 10 mil and stuff. Oh, that must have been uh, so silly looking. Oh, uh, I never wore, I could never wear like a big like circular barber or anything because I was like, you know, like as much as I was into all that kind of stuff, like I'm not the henchiest guy in town, you know, so I could never pull that kind of stuff off. So I used to wear like a tunnel or an eyelet or whatever you want to call it. In there. Right. Um, but yeah, so I was like big stretches and I was like, I want everything, you know, punched and scalpeled and all this kind of stuff um and now i've definitely got the thing was like oh i i I really love this like particular piece of jewelry how can i get a delicate piercing that's going to install that or like little accent pieces and stuff like that um and i found that uh the clientele uh, and the the requests that you get uh, are so much different you know you 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 know it might be before that i'd have you know 10 requests a day for like lip 
um, lip frenum and tongue frenum piercings, whereas now it's almost a non-existent part of my day. Oh, thank God. Uh, it's really nice. Uh, it's just great. Um, I hardly get anybody asking me for like horizontal tongue piercings or anything like that. I think people have just been like, I've seen this sparkly earring. I want a very similar sparkly earring. Can mm-hmm. you help me out with that? Yeah. And, you know, for a lot of people, I think the fanciest piercing I do now would probably be like Dave Duff. I'm not going to get into that debate. Dave right. Duff piercings, you know? Follow your um, heart. Huh? Follow your heart. <laughs> but like that's the kind of techiest piercing I would kind of do on my day to day. Whereas in shoes I've worked before, there'd be like a lot of kind of uh, transverse lobes and large gauge ear piercings and uh, wow. dermal punching was like fairly commonplace um whereas now it's just like people just want some jazzy ears and right. and nine times out of ten there's not, not even much point in me advertising anything else because ear piercings are what draw people in now like that's i mean it's really yeah. interesting because i i think a lot of piercers who have been you know at it for more than five or ten years you know they would they would probably still recognize that exact same trend but maybe they didn't notice mm. it because it was it was gradual at first, you know, and I remember yeah. thinking when uh, uh, Daith Doth was a really challenging piercing and it'd be like, oh man, I get to do one of these. That's awesome. Like yeah. back in the days yeah. of like BME, big dermal punch, giant stretched, like yeah. everything had a steel ball kind of thing. Uh, if somebody wanted like a delicate little ear piercing Daith Doth, whatever, and, and, and fancy jewelry, that yeah. would be like, ooh, what a rarity. And now it's this like totally opposite thing where if somebody comes in and they're like, oh yeah, I want this like large gauge complicated thing or even surface piercings, you know, it's like, ooh, what a treat. I get to do a nape, you know, when napes were just like very, very commonplace for a really long time. Yeah, and in a way I can't kind of decide if that's a good or a a bad thing overall. Um, Like, you know, it's 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 cool for a lot of businesses if you want you know when you're stocking this high-end stuff because you get to do these like beautiful pieces and i think it's almost the industry is kind of being like and this will sound a bit weird to some people but like it's getting viewed i think the same way as tattooing was good is getting viewed Mm -hmm. whereas like if you showed your nan like a picture of like a thousand pound dollar tattoo and a picture of a 50 pound dollar tattoo she'd be like oh okay well that is better than that because of the artistic skill and blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. but if you showed her two different piercings maybe five years ago she'd have been like those are two piercings very interesting whereas now she'd be like oh well look at that amazing jewelry in there that's so cool like and it's it's becoming a lot more like easily accessible to um just to to kind of your passers-by the quality Yeah, it's it's more like uh, stylistically acceptable, you know. It's more of a, it's definitely more of an accepted fashion at this point, you know, because you see celebrities, you know, if, if like Lady Gaga and like Rihanna have their septum pierced on on TV or on a red carpet mm-hmm. or something, then who knows how many people out there in the world are gonna are it, that's gonna turn them on their head and be like, oh, okay, well that piercing is just like this this cool fashion thing, and it's not yeah, like a freak show yeah. thing anymore. Uh, when septum piercings like kicked off, that was like the worst few months of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Is it because I, you I, had the, the the septum nervousness? Um, I, I I tell you what, I didn't before then. Um, when I got taught, the person that taught me didn't bring up anything about like, oh, these are quite tricky. Sometimes you mess them up. It's just like 
line it up, you pierce it. And I was like, well, that makes sense. There we go. Lovely. <laughs> I never thought about like getting my angles wrong or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And it was, I, I think there was a point where I was the only person in the studio that would probably do like 80 odd piercings a day. And I was the only person that did septum piercings because everyone else had like just not opted to not do them. And uh, I had a day where I did like eight septums in a row. Okay. And I was just like, no, no more. And so, I, so wait, did you say that you did eighty piercings in a day, like eight zero? Not me as a, as oh, one human, but as, as the studio. studio. That's still we, a lot. I mean, between oh, how many piercers, two yeah, or three? Yeah. But that like, it was just a studio that you went to in Brighton, like, even when I was growing up. So I like the place I got trained is the place that I went to get my piercings growing up. Right. Like, and it's just it's just where everybody you know it's where you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so the volume is 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 nuts, is crazy. So like in Guru, we'll we'll do less less volume because we've only got one physical studio. Yeah. Um, but you know because we can use a lot of these pieces, it kind of like balances out sort of takings wise or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which again I think is an, another thing that's um really cool uh, in the UK at the moment is that there are like um piercers who are in you know, I know they only do like a few piercings a day, but because they're using this amazing jewelry and they have the right kind of client base in the right part of town, they can still like make an, a, a good living off of it. Yeah, I mean, that, that's been a huge impact because, you know, for, for a while, you know, there was a certain tier that you couldn't break through unless you were like a, a very high volume studio, you know, like it would be unheard of a few years ago to have a studio with more than one piercer on at a time or more than mm-hmm. one counter staff on at a time unless they were doing very high numbers. And now you'll see studios that are only doing maybe five to 10 or 20 piercings in a day, maybe 30 yeah. piercings in a day. And sometimes they'll have two piercers, two counter staff, you know, extra people here and there floating around like jewelry salespeople, all that stuff. Um, and it's, it's cool, you know, because it, it supports, it supports a lot more people. It gets a lot more people, mm-hmm. um, it gets their foot in the door when otherwise they might not have, have been able to do that. Definitely. Definitely. I think what else is really cool about it is that, um, it's, uh, it's really like changed the way that you would operate a studio as well. Like, I know I um, found a, a difference from going from a studio where it'd be like, you're, just, you're fully booked all day as soon as you walk in the door and it's just like, bang, 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 it, you know, it never stops. And it's really hard for you to kind of talk to your clients and figure out what they actually want. Right. You know, because they might, or, or determine what what is the right or wrong way of doing something, you know, because you're... Um, I'm sure you've probably had this as well, where you're working in such a high volume studio that you you just there'll be things that slip through the cracks. You know, like Sally will come in and say, "I want my helix pierced," but maybe her like ear is completely fused together on the side, like that rim bit, mm-hmm. and you might not necessarily be able to spend the time to talk to her and be like, "That's not a good idea. Let's do a conch right. piercing or something like that." You know, I've so personally it, been pretty fortunate with that. You know, but I definitely know what you're talking about with some studios where it's, you know, it is back to back to back to back to back. Maybe yeah. you have somebody else picking out the jewelry or doing an anatomy consult. So sometimes mm-hmm. the piercer doesn't actually interact with the client until they're ready to put their gloves on and, and pierce them. You know, and yeah, um, I, I think it, that can be a disservice. It depends on what the logistics are and, and how good the front counter people are, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but I, I do prefer 
to be able to have those interactions like you're talking about because sometimes those are the best experiences for not just the piercers but for the clients too you know they might come in asking for a helix or asking for something else and, and leaving with something completely different that they might not have even known existed because of all the different jewelry options and all the different choices yeah. you can give them for placements you know so uh i think they both have their place you know i, I think a studio that is set in their ways where they're they're doing 80 plus piercings you know and, and that's mm -hmm. the studio that's established of like you can go here you can get a piercing in and out kind of simple um yeah. they they have their place they definitely have their place but i think uh, that the market is really starting to shift towards that more like boutique kind of salon. Mm. Let me talk to you and figure out your hopes and dreams kind of uh, kind of services. Well, that's like um, that's exactly where my studio is coming from, you know. And we we in a way we kind of struggled with some of the the high end stuff because because our studio is right in the middle of this you know super touristy part of town where everybody goes. You know, yeah, you might get um, the the odd few people like who have a lot of money that want to spend it, but a lot of the time you're kind of going to be getting, you're going to be getting the the um just the, the walk-in lobes and helixes that have no interest in in jewelry whatsoever. They just want some piercings, you know. Mm -hmm. the, and so we like we we could never just be like one of the studios that just goes, we're going to go high end now bang a load of money into it and just start tur like sh turning away people because they're like, oh no we only have these brands and this jewelry and this is all you can get you know which is why we we you know we we kind of try and tailor it so, so we can do a, an awesome piercing for everybody that comes in the door right you know I, i've i've never wanted to be the kind of uh, studio that just turns a bunch of people like a bunch of kids away because they can't afford bvla mm -hmm. you know I, th like, I think that was a tough lesson for me to learn too, because, you know, when I started to have that kind of, uh, you know, boom of jewelry, you know, I, I really mm -hmm. skewed very heavily towards it, you know, and, and then there were some people that were regular clients that were kind of pushing back against it. Be like, yes, I, I do admit that that jewelry is lovely, but, yeah. you know, I don't have the ability to pay $200 for a piercing or even $100 for a piercing, you know, and so you do want to have jewelry that can still be accessible to people you know and i i really love things like um you know neo metal and whatever else that yeah. gives them the flexibility for in the future you can say you can get this uh, it can be very affordable very inexpensive right now but it's very very easy to just come in and we can just switch the top you know whenever you can afford that fancy That's bbla it. or whatever piece just come in and we'll change it out for you and 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 that that it's, i tell you that that was has always been the thing in the past kind of two years that is really grinded my gears about piercers online mm -hmm. yeah is is implying that if they can't afford you know anatomist or whatever then they don't deserve to get pierced by you right yeah? like I, I i've never understood that way of thinking because it's just like just like you know i you know okay i eat bread yeah but I can't afford to go to a super fancy artisan baker and get like this crazy bread made from this mystical flour that comes <laughs> from this crazy specific part of France or whatever. Like, do I know that it's better than the stuff that they get at like Walmart or Tesco's? Obviously. But am I going to buy that shit every day? No, that's a treat. I'm not going to moan at somebody because they can't afford to treat themselves every single time they come into my shop, you know? Right, right. I mean, so, you know, what I do is I, I, I'll 
I'll talk to the person and I'll kind of get an idea of what they like first. And, mm. you know, if they gravitate towards the, the higher ticket pieces, then I'll be like, you know, I'll, I'll let them go through the whole motion, you know, like I'll, yeah. I'll give them the whole show of like, oh, it's this stone and it's this material. It's, you know, it's solid 18 karat gold and let me mm. hold it up in a mirror and you can look at it and whatever. And, and when they see it, a lot of times they'll be like, okay, that's great. Did you want me to put together a total for you? You know, and I try to say it yeah, in yeah, yeah. the least threatening way possible, you know, so so that they understand that, oh, maybe there's going to be a little bit higher of a price tag. And if they're the kind of person where they don't care about the price tag, then they just say, no, yeah. it's fine. And if they are the kind of person that says, yeah, sure, put together a total for me. I'd say in situations like that, maybe it's 50-50. 50% will be like, oh, yeah, okay. And the other 50 will be like, oh, that's kind of outside of my price range. And yeah. I'll be like, totally perfect, you know. Tell me what your price range is. I'll work with you. I'll tell you all the options that fit that. I'm not going to be like, well, you should save up for this and come back. Like that. Yeah, yeah. That is really a disservice to people because then they're going to leave and they're going to be less likely to take the chance on a high-quality service in the future, you know. And those mm. are the kinds of clients that get driven into low-end studios where they maybe don't do a good job, maybe don't have good sterilization or good jewelry. And it's because right. they find those high-end studios intimidating or, or not accessible. You know, it's, it's yeah. important to carry – I mean, you don't have to carry, you know, jewelry that's below your personal standard, you know. Like mm. you can carry – you know, affordable, simple items. And you can tell them kind of point blank, you know, if people call and ask for price, we'll usually say, you know, well, we have lots of options available. Uh, piercing like that typically starts in this range, you know, so we yeah. can kind of give people an idea, you know, between 70 and 100, something something like that. So they at least have it yeah. in their mind, you know, like, okay, I, I definitely can't afford a, a $70 piercing. Then in a situation like that, that's maybe like, well, you know, Come back whenever you're ready for it, but you know, seventy yeah. is the the lowest that we can go with 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 the standards that we have set, kind That's of thing. It. But I'm not going to be a a dick to anybody about it for sure. No, um, it's yeah, it's something that's quite important to me. Um, it I, I'm hoping to do some kind of talk about it at the um, the UKPP kind of annual seminars this year. Did you happen to uh, submit? Uh, an idea to them about that yet? Yeah, okay, yeah, I did. Cool. All right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, but like, um, newer piercers who are kind of coming into the industry, I feel like, and even established piercers are kind of getting very put off by the, the sometimes unintentional but usually fairly intentional elitism, mm -hmm. which kind of happens like. It, it must be quite intimidating to kind of look through these kind of rose colored glasses and everything and be like, oh, okay, well, everyone I know, all these pieces, they only use these kind of brands and every person they do every single day is gold and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, it's not, it's just not. Um, so like, I, I feel like educating on the, the, the evolution between kind of an externally threaded studio and uh, building it to something more like as a mid-range studio or a high, super high-end studio, like it's 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 not as simple like click of your fingers. You know, when people you see on the forums, people will post a picture of like, oh, my clients have got an, an ear piercing and it's 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 not quite right. It's a little bit swollen and what do I do? And the first thing people will say is like, oh, have Put you tried? In it. Have you tried installing like BVLA? Right. And it's just like, oh no, of right. course I haven't, you mook. So you know? okay, so I, I can definitely 
I can definitely uh, give you some good input that you, you may or may not have thought of yet. But first, I want to take it back a step. And mm. when if you do this class at UKAPP this year, I have a great name for it, and it is wrestling nerd related since you're a wrestling nerd. Oh, I like that. You could call it the progress of body jewelry. Oh. Don't be a dick. That's huh? a niche UK wrestling reference as huh? well. Huh? See? <laughs> that would be cool. And mm. Don't be a dick. Uh, so, okay, now... I don't remember who it was, but somebody somebody mentioned on this podcast before that they have mm. noticed that quite a few people who end up in the body piercing profession were not necessarily the most popular kids in school. You know, yeah. um, like I myself, I was a fat kid that was like shamed mercilessly, and I was you know I had a really miserable childhood and in, in, in yeah. teenage years, and um, I grew up with this kind of instinct where I needed to push myself and show that I was better than you know, certain people and not like in like a, a spiteful way or anything like that, but it was like, yeah. I'm going to pick these people that I'm looking up to in the industry, in the, the body piercing industry. And I'm going to, I'm going to get to their level and I'm going to be, yeah. I'm going to be better than my competition because I'm going to work harder and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And I think when, when that generation of piercer got established and started putting their work online, mm. um, they would kind of say certain things like, you know, um, uh, kind of disparaging clientele, uh, not not clientele, kind of disparaging competition in a way that really hadn't been done quite so publicly on the internet before. You know, it was like, well, you know, the reason our piercings are better is because better jewelry. Or, you yeah. know, oh, do they have a statum? Oh, you know, stuff like that. And then, yeah. and then that got picked up on by this new generation of piercer that was coming in post-BME, when it wasn't yeah. as much of a community, when it was just like... You could just scattershot opinions on the internet, on Instagram, on Facebook, uh, stuff like that. So then those piercers would get kind of this snobby, smug self-satisfaction of like, oh, we're in the cool kids club because we're saying like, you know, we only use Anatometal or we only use yeah. Leroy or we only use this or that or industrial strength and everything. And now they're just kind of like they're, – they're they're pricks about it, basically. You know, it like a lot of the people that are using that jewelry and bragging about it didn't start with that. You know, and nope. uh, how would they feel if someone was like dumping all over what they were trying to do? You know, it, my whole thing is just what's the person's intention? You know, if a piercer yeah. wants to get better and they know where they want to be and they're they're trying to make some some little steps. You know, this company mm -hmm. to this company to this company. Um, then I'll applaud them. I'll give them all the support. I will answer any question. If they email me, if they come up and talk to me at a conference, like I'll talk to them yeah. forever about it. But it's those people who are like, uh, oh, you know, oh, if it's not this, then it's garbage. Or, or yeah. you know, there there were certain people that were really active in forums that would be like, you know, hang up your needles because you're not as you're you're not my oh. elite. Uh, you don't get my elite seal of approval. You know, like I hate when people are like that online because it just it ruins people's sense of community and satisfaction feeling yeah. like we're part of a team it, it makes everything adversarial and I, I just i don't like that at all no i've got no time for that kind of thing I, I again because i got into it in this industry via well not strictly via but because of bme the community aspect was is has always been quite important to me uh like the i am and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. it was always like a really big thing so to to then be in the industry looking around at these communities it's like it, it can be quite disheartening sometimes like you've got like beacons of of hope uh, you know everywhere like um you know like brian skelly who is like the nicest man 
I've ever met in my entire life. Combined you know? with being one of the most uh, informative people you'll ever meet. Mm. Oh, yeah, dude. But like, I could, you know, I'd, I'd rather have him talk to me for like two hours about something that might not necessarily interest me that much than some of the, you know, kind of rock star piercers, you know, just, hello, nice to meet you let me show you all this dope ass jewelry up here so it's just like oh that's really cool nice but let's try and all be nicer to each other you know and right be more inclusive of all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. well it, it, it's all a click you know so online there'll be these little pods of people and you can see it you know even even at conferences you go to you know you go to you go to APP, you go to UK APP, or BMX, or LBP, or Camp APP, and you're always going to see clicks. You'll see this group of 10 people hanging out, you see this group of 10 people hanging out, and, mm. you know, sometimes they might really disagree with each other when, uh, you know, I would love to see people get together and find their, their common ground. You know, like, these are the things yeah. we agree on, these are the things we disagree on, you know, let's let's debate it and let's talk about it, and let's not, like, you know just rip into each other because you you prefer a different company or you prefer a different kind of glove or a different kind yeah. of soap or, or, you know, stuff like that. Like people, people are so bitter. And I, I like to think now about the next generation coming up, you know, because I would never have gotten where I've gotten uh, if it wasn't for lots of piercers that I looked up to that were sharing information that yeah. had a smile on their face that weren't trying to be secretive or, or like build a team like us versus them or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's going to really hold back future generations if it if that trend continues. You know, I, I feel like there, like you said, there are some beacons of hope. There are some really cool people and, you know, new people teaching classes and, and all this stuff and sharing information. And it's great. And I really just hope to see that trend mm-hmm. continue. And I, I don't want to see things get splintered down lines of like, you know, oh, you carry this jewelry, so you're terrible. I carry this jewelry and I'm the best kind of thing. That, that's not really what I'm into. No, I, I just, I, 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 you know, as long as we can get to a point where we're all just kind of educating each other, mm-hmm. you know, because all, we all do the same job, you know, so why, I, like, I, I can't think of many other industries that have like, can potentially have like such animosity towards different tier like different ways of doing things you know right well i'll tell uh, you one tattooing you know like i i, yeah. I look at the tattoo industry and I've, I've learned a lot of lessons there by um you know the the era of tattoo artists that would like throw bricks through each other's windows because they had a shop you know half a block away stuff like that you yeah. know and i i'm glad that body piercing isn't that but you know we're doing the internet version of that for sure you know people blow each other up online because they have a difference yeah. of opinion it's it yeah it's a shame but and and, you know that kind of thing is never really going to go away unfortunately because that's just human it's human nature but i think as long as there's you know and and the thing is i'm i'm actually quite guilty of this myself by by not getting involved that much online Mm -hmm. you know it's i i always see stuff happening i'm just like god that's so fucking terrible like who why are they all jumping down this guy's throat yeah and I'm, but then I'm just as bad almost as the guy jumping down the throat because I'm just looking at it on my screen, going, "That is unfortunate." Yeah, yeah, and, and scrolling away from it. So that's what I really want to gear myself into doing more of is becoming much more of like a kind of like more of a mediator and kind of help, like offering more constructive advice. Right. Um, yeah, well, that, that's that's a big point that that you bring up is whatever happened to constructive criticism, you know, and not just tearing someone apart. 
yeah because there's a there's a way to get your point across that doesn't involve like up, like physically upsetting people mm-hmm. like and, and and this is the thing like you not everybody gets educated in the same way like there are only very few people that get to be trained in in a in a in a in a top quality environment you know a lot of people that i speak to have kind of come from either chain piercing places or just places where their mentors aren't teaching them the correct techniques and all this kind of stuff and if you don't know then you just don't know and it's not your fault for not knowing necessarily yeah it's when you know and you you ignore it that's when it's a problem and that's the thing if you're if you're burying your head in the sand and saying no 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 this is definitely better or no 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 i won't i won't have any of this i will not like uh accept your input to what i'm doing then that's that's just as bad but it's I really, you know, I, I hope other people can also take more steps to being that kind of friendlier, more approachable, warmer kind of person. Like if you're on the kind of upper sort of range of this of um, this industry, taking it upon yourself to to help people, because I'm sure you had this exact same experience where you like started off with nothing, you know, started from the bottom. Now, now you're we're here, here. Jazz. But like, pay, you know. I'm sure some people helped you along the way and gave you advice yeah, and like that. Lots you know, of people. you have those eureka moments where you're like, of course, why haven't I tried like that before? Mm-hmm. Get past that on to other people, you know. Well, I, I, one problem, one problem with that logic, sadly, is that when when you say uh, piercers on a, a a top tier or something like that. There are, mm. there are lots of piercers, and, and like I don't really like to categorize people that way, you know. Like even if somebody out there were to say like, "Oh, Ryan's a really good piercer," I'll look at stuff that I do, and I know other people who are way better, you know. And it's yeah. like I, you know, there's always going to be somebody better, you know. So I, I don't want anybody to think that like they're the top and they're done learning. But the 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 problem that I see is that the people who want to be seen as being mm. one of those top level piercers they do it at the expense of the people that they see as below them, you know? And, and I, I definitely don't want to name any names because there are so many nice people that are maybe just a little bit shitty online. Yeah. And, um, you know, you probably know a few and probably lots of the people listening can probably think of at least one off the top of their head right now as they listen to us, you know? And mm. it's, it's the, it's the good people, the good piercers where people are saying like, Oh yeah, but you got to talk to them in person. They're so nice. They're so cool. And it's like, yeah, I'm sure they are nice and, and cool yeah. in person. I'm sure they are a hardworking, safe piercer, but they're a they're a jerk online, you know. And yeah. that's really disheartening too, because they're trying to be seen as this celebrity or as this authority figure, and they're trying to they're trying to get to what they see as the next level. Is you know maybe they want to be the people um, distributing a jewelry line or teaching a class or taking a trip or or whatever, you know. And uh, they kind of do it by dumping on other people and it's like it's mm. low-hanging fruit it's it's easy prey and sure. yeah what, what you do is you erode that person's confidence to improve themselves you know and yeah. instead you could very easily say my, like one of my favorite pieces of constructive criticism is to say oh i i notice i noticed there was maybe this uh challenge for you or maybe this didn't come out perfect hey, mm. I had the exact same experience and here's what I think was the problem for me and let me share with you what helped me get past it. Like, I I would love to do that rather than just saying like, you know, uh, put some put some gold in it or like, yeah. what, are you, what are you cleaning it with or something? It's like, it's it's a it's a crooked piercing. Like, you know, it doesn't matter mm. what fancy piece of jewelry you put in it if, if the problem is like foundation, you know? So yeah. talk to the person and share, share your negative experiences. Don't act like, just like you said, 
there are people out there who act like every piece of jewelry they use is gold encrusted in diamonds and, and yeah. how that's not true. Um, all those piercers out there who are posting picture perfect work on Instagram, I guarantee yeah. they blow a couple of piercings every now and then. You know, nobody oh, yeah. is perfect. Well, I, I did a post on the so the, the UK piercer meetup forum, which has kind of evolved into just the UK piercers forum. Mm-hmm. I, I did a I posted a picture of some some high nostrils that I did and they just you know they weren't perfect they weren't great um, the the client was super happy but because of the way that her nose was shaped I couldn't I could never see both dots at the same time kind of thing right so I kind of did them I was like did, I sold her the situation as well I was like this is kind of what it is these look pretty good but like you know it's really hard for me to tell and and we did them and they were like. They were okay, but they weren't, you know, I'm not going to put them on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And that's what I was going to, you know, that's what I, I wrote this big old thing about it. This being like, I'm happy with this work. It's not perfect, but it's not something I'm going to put on Instagram. And it's like, just realize that everyone else also does this exact same thing where they're like, that's great, but I'm not going to put it on Instagram. You're only seeing the per, you know, the perfection from exactly. people. Exactly. Yeah. They're, I mean, it, it's, it's. I wouldn't say that it's entirely unrealistic because, you know, Instagram is, is marketing and you want to have the best quality out there for marketing. But yeah, I mean, yeah, there, I'm not saying post I, your, I, you know, your dodgy piercings on Instagram, or whatever, right. but I'm, you know, it's, I, it's, I would love to see that like in a forum, yeah. you know, like the, the good piercers that screwed up forum. But the other problem too is like when you talk about BME and I am, um, it was a, a relatively narrow, um, like learning area for that. Like there were yeah. very specific forums, you know, there were maybe five or 10 forums that people would go to that are very specific and people would remember like the ask a pro and the, the learning forums and stuff on IM. But mm. now with Facebook, anybody can start a group, they can add whoever they want and then everything gets watered down. So, you know, if I pull up my Facebook right now, I might be part of 20 groups, you know, and maybe yeah. three of them I'm active in, you know, and then the other ones, I have no idea what people are talking about. So if people are, are posting, bad information or people are like mocking other people that are that are looking for good information i have no idea you know and uh the representation of people that are actually trying to help versus people that are just trying to make themselves look good you know that might be skewed in maybe the wrong way because there are so many forums out there to choose from and it's so hard to moderate and police like it's the it's also the downfall about having a fully into like connected society with uh in like facebook and stuff like that Mm -hmm. is that you, it, it's no longer remotely niche. It's every, everybody is there looking at this one, you know, forum, which means that no matter what you post, it will come under scrutiny from somebody. Right. Someone will have a problem with a technique or a, a this or a that or the next thing. Um, so there, you know, it, it is a lot harder to kind of get a message across and and in it. But then again, that's also the cool thing about this industry that there is no one way of doing anything you know it's all whatever your personal preference as long as you're doing it safely and and all that so it's 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 you know it's a difficult thing and i don't think there's any one answer for that kind of online sort of like uh, for position or anything like that because it it, it's you know you just can't be like oh okay we're all we're just gonna act like this from now on and it's all fine you know that's just ever going to work well you know i do see that even in the uk forum you know as a, as a good example you know there there are piercers where i've 
sat down with them and I've had conversations with them and shared meals with them and, and they're lovely mm -hmm. people. And it's like, oh, you're, you're great. You're great to talk to. And then I see how they represent themselves in one of those forums. And it's like, oh, really? Like, that's how you yeah. really talk to somebody? Like, why, why was that necessary? Like, the person is just trying to ask a question or learn. Like, you don't have to dump on them for it. Yeah, and I, I, I think there's a, a lot of a lot of um, people that just you know they forget where they came from, they forget their roots, um, and they forget what it's like to be coming up. Um, again, okay, I probably shouldn't have worded it quite like that as coming up, but you, you know what I mean when you're progressing. No, no, I, and it, it, that's actually pretty accurate, you know, because when I was when I was coming up through the industry, you know, I remember the first year I went to the APP conference. And I saw all these piercers that I recognized from online. And I was like, ooh, there's that person and there's that person and there's that person. And mm. I would kind of hover around when there was like a, a group conversation and maybe chime in with a question here and there and get some good info. And if one of those piercers had been like, oh, you're below me, thin, like I would have just yeah. gone and cried in my hotel room. You know, like it, it's it's their generosity that helped me get where I am, you know, and um, mm. you know, I, I, th I feel like we owe it to people, you know, it, again, it's, it's, as long as they have good intentions, we, we owe it to them really, you know, cause somebody yeah. did it for us. Exactly. And it, you know, it's all about just like paying it forward and yeah, I, I, I just don't understand why people don't, I, I guess, I guess people are worried that if everybody gets to a high end level, then they're not super cool anymore, you know, cause yeah. everyone is just doing awesome work with awesome jewelry and then there's no there's there's no way for them to set themselves apart from anybody else. That's the only way I can kind of think about it. So they always have to be like seen as one step above anybody else at any one time. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it is it is business and, and business can be competitive. But uh, I don't know. I mean, if somebody's not in your town and someone's not going to directly affect your business, you know, I, I don't. I don't want to see people as a threat. You know, I want to see people as someone I could potentially no. learn from or, or share information with. Well, and, 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 you know, that's the thing. And, you know, being in a, in a popular season, and like I said, there's seven other, there's seven other piercing studios in like, like literally within a two minute walk of mine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there's some people that really are like into the idea of the UKPP and getting involved in that and learning and all this kind of stuff. And people who just aren't fussed about it. But I remember when, when I worked in another studio, Charlie, again, it's bringing Charlie back into it. She, cause when she was putting together the UKPP, she came to all the, all the shops in the air and just said like, Hey, we're doing this thing. We're pulling together. We're going to set these standards. It's going to be like really cool learning. Da, da, da. And some people were just like really up for it. And some people just want nothing to do with it. And, mm. you know, but, and, and, but now it's also kind of cool because there are other studios in my town that are starting to stock Anatometal and you know all this kind of stuff and at first you're kind of like oh fuck like I'm not the special flower anymore right but at the same time it's like oh wait actually this is the whole point of everything that I talk about is other people everyone's raising their game and everyone's getting really good so it's just like that's awesome so do you feel like it's more um they are they themselves are getting educated on the jewelry and they're making that decision or do you feel like it's uh they see the success that you guys are achieving and they're trying to kind of copy that a little bit. Like, do you feel like it's based on education or do you feel like it's based on just purely competition? I think it's both. I think it's both. And, and, and when you say like, Oh, they're, they're doing well with that. So we're going to stock that. I think because we were the first studio to stock gold, just to use it as a 
broad term for high end. Mm-hmm. Because we were the first people to stock gold, there was no measuring stick for can you can that be a successful business model? Right. And because we have done pretty well with it, you know, we, we've expanded our ranges quite considerably since what we started out with. It's probably shown other people that they can't say, oh, I'm in a tourist town. I, I you know, I have to keep it a certain level. Right. It's, oh, no, they're one street down from me and they're doing this, this and this. So there's no reason that I can't be doing that, that and that, you know, mm-hmm. this, the specific studio that I'm talking about is, is one that I, I did work at before anyway. And all the pieces there are like fucking awesome. Um, so I've got no qualms at all with those guys stocking that jewelry. Cause I know that they're doing the, they got the passion and they're just lovely people and they believe in the industry and the jewelry and, you know, cool. Awesome. It would be when people who I'm worried, I'm going to, contradict myself on some I, no I, I i get where you're i get where you're going because i have i have that, that those same kinds of people you know there are people in my area where you know if if they're doing better i'm happy because i feel like we as an industry are doing better and then mm-hmm. if there are other studios who start carrying the same brands i'll be like oh you don't yeah. you don't know what you're doing you're just you're still doing bad piercings and and you're not sterilizing it correctly and now you're just charging a lot more for it basically yeah, that's the and yeah, that's the basically what I was gonna say. Yeah, so I think if you're if, if people are gonna go into the using the gold and stuff, it should you know it, it should always be to kind of decorate a a well executed, lovely piercing. Mm-hmm. If you're doing trash piercings and then topping them with a nice piece of jewelry, people will see through that and it won't work. You know, right. your business model will not work because they're gonna have the clients are going to get the piercings it's not going to go very well they're going to have a bad time and they're going to look for somebody else to kind of be like i've had a horrible experience what can i do about it if you're going to go down that route it's got to be because you that you have the whole package kind of thing right well yeah i mean you look at it a situation like someone walks through the door and they have a, a, a an angry piercing and you look at the jewelry and at first glance it's it's nice jewelry you know yeah. and uh then you can say you know, where, where'd you get it done? And, and maybe take, I'll take a look at it. How are you taking care of it? And then, you know, how many times do you take uh, a really nice gold piece of jewelry off of a completely garbage post, you know, and be yeah. like, oh, that's such a bummer that they're like, they're sac-, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there are some, uh, you know, mid-level companies where it's, it's acceptable, you know, it's an acceptable yeah. polish, it's an acceptable material, and you can put a, an upgraded end piece on it. I'm not going to disparage anyone for doing that, you know, because I, I get that you need to, you know, make things affordable in, in certain places. Mm. But on the people who are just using jewelry that they know is substandard and they're putting uh, like a, a nice looking piece on top of that uh, yeah. and they're letting people walk out the door and, you know, they might have that thought in the back of their head of, I, I consciously know that this is not good, what I'm doing. You know, yeah. those people are really frustrating, you know, because they're preying on the hard work that other people do, you know, to build brands and, and to build that, that trust. Uh, and then, you know, when you kind of misuse that trust it it is a little disheartening to to see people do that but you know that that does happen everywhere unfortunately i yeah and uh, you know again it's anything that can make money will always be used by some for the wrong for for the explicit purposes of making money right i got another class title for you with great jewelry comes great responsibility oh yeah that's good huh 
bastard. I like that a lot. <laughs> I'm gonna steal these. But um, you know, and and but no, but that it that's perfectly sums up everything about it. You know, if you're gonna be using all this awesome kit, like yeah, it's great that it exists. But if you're using it incorrectly, you're still gonna end up with like angry customers. Right. Like because they're happy when they leave. Like any anybody can do a a piercing that looks good when somebody leaves, but it's when they come back in a few weeks time and like you say it's 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 all gone to to tut um that that you know that's gonna affect your business you know if it because client but and also clients don't really won't necessarily understand why their piercing isn't healing Mm -hmm. but they'll blame you for sure you know so i always tell learning piercers um if you do something and you know it's it's bad work you know have the have the bravery have the guts to look the client Mm -hmm. in the eye and say you know, this didn't come out to the best of the, to the best of my ability. I apologize. Let me take it out and and remedy it for you. You know, give you something else for free, give you a refund, mm-hmm. have you come back and I'll redo it. You know, I've had to do that. I've had to do that more than once in my yes. career. You know, and uh, it's it's disheartening when someone lets somebody walk out the door and they know that mm-hmm. it's not with a good quality piercing. You know, and and that's yeah. going to speak volumes about you. You know, that person is going to go into another shop. Uh, to to get a checkup and then that piercer is gonna gonna know your quality you know and then yeah. that client is not going to come back they're gonna be the they're gonna be the customer of the shop that fixed the bad piercing that you did you know so mm. um, and they're gonna be the heroes right yeah and 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 how many times have have you or I been in that situation where somebody comes in from a a, a, a problem studio you know and you mm. say okay you know I've seen similar problems you know let's let's do this this is my suggestion you know maybe new jewelry maybe new aftercare or yeah. maybe just abandon the piercing take it out and think okay. about having it redone in the future you know like I countless countless times that's such a mm-hmm. huge portion of my job at this point is troubleshooting piercings that were done at other studios you know I don't know if yeah. you're the same way we don't we don't get a, a whole lot of it I, I, and again I think it's the kind of the the thing of being in a tourist town is right, you don't that, see people oh, a lot after i a lot of your clients will just be off on to their next destination and mm-hmm. you know you, you you may never see them again and um i think so yeah so sometimes we'll obviously we get we have locals people do live in brighton yeah um and and we will get people that come from like other studios and say oh this that and the next thing and it's you know you, you you treat them as you would treat anybody else and you just want to help them with their piercings and, and it, it, it sometimes you can be put in a real difficult position because you don't really want to say oh this person did this wrong mm-hmm. or that person did this wrong you know but as long uh, you know i always just try and make sure i'm helping people as, as much as i can because but also like i i know how difficult it is to take that step back and say you know what i've done fuck this up yeah. i need to read it's so it can be so difficult and especially you know because at the end of the day we're hurting people quite on purpose Mm -hmm. so it for me as well because i'm quite empathetic with my work and i really don't like hurting people so if someone does have that experience it doesn't go quite right it it's it's really hard for me to be able to feel like i'm really sorry i've got to hurt you again like Mm -hmm. potentially worse than the first time yeah no, and so I, I I get it. I get how people can be like, uh, you know, I just I can't say anything about it. Like I I do get it. Like you shouldn't do it, and you should say something. But I can understand why why people why people do it because it, it's it it makes you feel like, I mean, you feel good 
afterwards because you've executed a good piercing. But in the moment, oh, sometimes yeah. I in the moment you feel like human garbage. Come back another day. Because what was it? You know, did a septum piercing. Septum piercing came out crooked, and uh, I pulled it. But for some reason, that day everything from the rest of my life had kind of gotten on top of me, and I was just like wobbling and shaking and i was like oh my god i just i can't deal with the stress of doing this piercing again and mm. like so i just said to him like look i'm really sorry it didn't come out very well i think we're gonna have to book in another time because i just i just said to him like, i don't think i can do this right now um and i sent them away and i wrote their details and i was like yeah you know like we'll do it next time for half price or whatever and i kind of just i did it thinking they're probably not going to come back to me uh, they're, they're you know going to go down the road over but in a week's time they came back we did the piercing again it was awesome it went really well but you know but the the lady was really understanding she was like oh no i can you know i've i've seen your shop i've seen your reviews and your blah, blah blah like i know you are good at your job everyone has a bad day and i appreciate you more for saying these things to me and saying like look i don't feel comfortable doing this and let's do it another day so she felt so much more confident in coming back to me because i'd said to her today's not going to be the day kind of thing mm -hmm. so i think that's something that a lot of people can take away with them is just like you know it's this in all of life you know honesty is the best policy if you are upfront with people about what is happening to their bodies and stuff it it makes everything a whole lot easier well, for, for people listening, um, if you've ever had to have that kind of a conversation, you know, sometimes clients might be a little bit, you know, saddened or disgruntled or, or unhappy with a situation mm. like that. But uh, the majority of times, if I've ever had to say something like that to someone, they, they say, thank you for your honesty. You know, I, yeah. I, I appreciate it. You're being a professional. Something like that, you know, because, you know, I, I don't want people to, to look at my work floating around there in the world and be like, Ryan did that like that looks terrible you know like yeah. i don't i don't want that and i don't want the client to to think of me in those terms either you know like i i would rather them mm -hmm. think he had a bad day or it didn't come out great and he had to do it twice or um yeah he he did it wrong and sent me out the door and didn't care you know like which one's worse mm -hmm. i i i always tell people every and actually when i have this um conversations with clients every so often i'll say it to them as well every piercing you do is a business card every single time so you know when that person goes out into the world and they go oh where'd you get your piercing then oh i got done a guru by alex and it's fucking dope you know or or maybe they don't realize that it's not quite right and they go oh it's done by alex by guru and the person looking at it goes like oh god i'm never gonna go there that's awful right you know what i mean like everyone's a business card not in a hot not in a horrible like they're all numbers kind of thing but they are you know they're well yeah they're, i mean i mean like word of mouth is is huge yeah word of mouth is is huge mm. for, for positive or or negative you know and um would you rather have people out there talking good about you or talking bad about you you know it's it's, it's just yeah. that simple well i used to work at um mcdonald's for for quite a while Nerd. and they always to say like one person having a bad experience will inevitably tell 10 people about their bad experience but a lot of the time people that have a good experience won't actually tell many people because it's so people get so much more impassioned when they're having a bad time than necessarily when they're having a good time right right hey what's what, what are the more popular review websites for you over in the brighton area like is yelp a thing over there or is it more uh, like google reviews if it, if it is that we i i i 
never really particularly used it but most of my trade comes from google reviews and facebook reviews okay i i would say that facebook is is unique in that i get i get lots and lots and lots of five star reviews from my shop on there because it's just so easy for someone they can just scroll yeah. by and be like click five star and then they're they're on to the next thing and other yeah. websites like google or whatever they have to actually put in a little bit of effort to say something nice and most yeah. people that have a good experience you know they they might not be thinking about it in terms of like, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to take five minutes and I'm going to tell the world how happy I was, you know, it's, mm. but it's like, if they're even a little bit unhappy with their situation, they will happily sit I down for five minutes you. and tell the world that you're a terrible one star person. That's it. That's it. And you know, it's, it, if, if you're struggling with the review thing, um, other people that I used to work have made fun of me about this, but, um, because I, I spend a lot of time with my clients and I'm notorious for just nattering and chatting away about nothing just to make them feel like more comfortable. But every time I have a particularly good, you know, experience with people, I ask them, I say, oh, hey, you know, if you had a lovely time today, don't just tell me about it. You know, can you leave a review on Google or whatever needs more reviews? I'll say, oh, can you leave a Google review for me? I'd really appreciate it. And if you spend the time getting to know somebody a little bit and you're having a really good rapport with them, they'll leave a nice review, you know, and it's so easy just to say, oh, could you, would it be okay if you left a review? If you ask them to and you give them the cue, mm -hmm. they're more likely to do it. Well, you can even go one step further than that. Uh, my, my friends up at Thrive Studios up in Canada, they, they actually make little business cards. And anytime somebody has a nice experience, you know, they give them the business card and it says, hey, you know, this would really help us out if you would choose maybe one of these review sites. Take a minute to, you know, give us a positive or a five star or, or whatever. And they've really cultivated some really nice reviews that way, you know, and, and people who didn't even know that that was an option look at it that way and some people see it as as a form of tipping you know and it's yeah I've had definitely. people say well i can really only afford to give you five dollars i would really love to give you more but i you know uh, but mm -hmm. maybe i could take a minute and, and give you a nice review online and i say you know that that's more than enough you know i'm very happy if you mm -hmm. can do something like that because it, it really reviews super help us out but yeah i feel like they're not super skewed with with accuracy sometimes it's either like this was the best experience or this was the worst experience with not a lot in the middle yeah one one or five stars, never free. Basically, yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't necessarily want to be a three-star piercer. I want to go for broke or, <laughs> or, like, go down in flames trying, you know, basically. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I totally see that. Uh, yeah. So we've been talking for, like, an hour. So I think at this point I will, I'll wrap up this episode. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think we should do this again sometime. I think this, this is going pretty good. I'd be happy to anytime. Well, not anytime. Obviously, I've got shit to do. But, All right. You know. <laughs> Three in the morning next Thursday. I'm there, mate. I'm there. So, um, one more time, uh, and then I want to talk a little bit more just after that for a second. But uh, yeah. one more time, give your uh, social media and where your shop is and all that good stuff. Yep, cool. So, we're Guru Piercing down in Brighton. Um, you can get me personally, Alex Wilkins, uh, at AW Body Piercing. Uh, don't have a Facebook, just my normal human Facebook, um, which you're welcome to add if you want. Facebook, just search Guru Piercing, find us on that. Cool, and right down in Brighton, near the Pebble Beach, sort of. That's it, near the Pebble Beach, Brighton, England. Cool. Not Brighton, America. Right, yeah, Brighton Beach in the US is a totally different thing. You might get shot oh. by a Russian mobster. <laughs> cool, well, thanks for talking to me, Alex. No worries, dude, anytime, thank you for having me. All 
All right. Thanks for joining me, Alex. Always appreciate it when people take the time. Uh, I would really love to be able to confirm and, uh, and officially announce uh, my class in London, but I'm just kind of waiting on the venue. I talked to them. They told me they had a space. They told me that the space was available and that they were happy to book me, and then I haven't heard back from them since, so I am getting a little bit uh, nervous about it. It's not like I'm down to the wire or anything, but I like to give people lots of time to plan for my classes to make sure that people actually show up. Go figure. Uh, so I want to tell anybody out there that's anywhere around the London, England area or can easily get to the London, England area uh, to keep Wednesday, June 20th available. Um, I will most likely be able to uh, make a final confirmation within hopefully the next week or two uh, and I can start opening up registration for it. But my plan right now is to go uh, full force ahead doing one of my full-day seminars in London on Wednesday, June 20th. So plan for that. Uh, I'd love to see as many people there as possible. I'm pretty sure the venue can handle about 20 or 25 people. Uh, if you're interested in maybe... Um, kind of pre-pre-registering, you know, letting me know that you're interested in a spot uh, as soon as they become available. Uh, I, I have a good feeling that this one is going to sell out to maximum capacity. So if you want to just maybe have me put you down on a list kind of thing, feel free to send me an email at ryanpba at gmail.com and I'll make sure that you have a spot reserved for you when uh, I actually do get around to, to opening up registration for that one. Uh, Chicago is coming up fast. I uh, got about two more weeks before I'll be there. Uh, and I do still have spots open for San Francisco, technically Concord, California, just outside of San Francisco. Uh, if you want to sign up for that, shoot me again an, an email at ryanpba at gmail.com or you can go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars. Uh, getting some good momentum. You know, I, I think after I get the... Chicago, San Francisco, and London classes done. I'm going to start focusing on the classes that I'll be booking after the APP conference. I'm not going to do anything during July. Uh, APP in Vegas really gets the priority. And, uh, you know, if people had to make the financial decision of come to one of my seminars or go to conference, I would much rather them go to conference where I'll just be teaching some extra classes anyway. So uh, try to get out to Las Vegas. For the people who can't get out to Las Vegas, I'm thinking about maybe doing a class in August, but I'm not super sure just yet. It might be, again, a little bit too close to conference for people to afford to do both. Uh, in September, I'm already committed to the UK APP seminars and uh, the BMXNet seminar in uh, England and Germany, respectively. I think I'll probably start to get back into my private classes sometime in October. Uh, I definitely have some interest for the Toronto area in Canada. I've got some interest for the uh, Portland, Oregon area. So uh, those will probably be the first classes that I'll offer once I start opening things up for the fall. Uh, definitely thinking about uh, some more classes in the Midwest, maybe another class in the Miami, Florida area. And I also got uh, some inquiries about doing a class in New York City. So uh, maybe I'll add that to the list too. It's going to be a busy 2018, lots of classes, but I love it. I get to get out there and, and see a lot of new places, meet a lot of new people, uh, eat a lot of good food. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. should be pretty cool. Uh, again, you can go to precisionbodyarts.com slash seminars. That's where I'll put any sort of, like, official info about classes that are open for registration. But if you're one of those London area people uh, interested in that class, you know, reach out to me. Uh, I I'd really like to know what kind of interest I might have. And hopefully I can get this damn venue booked. 
So that's it for this week. Uh, I'll be back next week with, I think, potentially a special episode, but I haven't really recorded the interview of it yet, so I don't want to shoot myself in the foot and officially announce it, but it might be adorable, just kind of putting it out there. So thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved. 